The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves. All right. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? What's going on? Listen, we got Torrance Walton, the people's pastor. We got Aaron Perry. Yo, he in here. We got Sergio in Orlando. We got Eddie right here in Chicago. And we got Keenan all the way, doggone, in Land in Tennessee. Yo, I'm so excited that y'all have decided to join me on the Iron Man podcast. It's an honor to have you. Yo, let's jump right in because I know this is going to get good. So, um, I always wind up kicking off the podcast asking, um, yo, what is your definition of a man? I'm going to, I'm going to let Eddie go first and we're, and I'm, we're just going, I'm going to facilitate the conversation a little bit. So you guys who are watching at home, I want you to share it. Yo brothers who are on here, I want you to share this, uh, tonight so we can get some more viewers. So, uh, I, I want to start off with Eddie. Eddie, what is your definition of a man? So the definition of a man for me is, I mean, that was something that for me growing up, um, I didn't have much of an example at times. Um, So for me, as I grew up, I started to realize just uh, from little examples from my dad and from other men, but uh, a man is someone who's vulnerable. You know, a man is not afraid to shed a tear or two um, when situations get tough. Um, you know, it takes a man uh, to be responsible. I think uh, when I hear the, the word man uh, comes with responsibility, uh, someone who walks in character and integrity. I think that that's, that's huge, huge, huge for a man. Um, you know, and, and we all know that, you know, anyone can, can make a, a baby. Anyone can be a father, but it takes a man. And a big one to me is that character and integrity is huge. Okay, cool. That's love. Sergio, man, what is your definition of a man, bro? Well, for me, it's it's kind of backwards. So I, for me to be a man, like my definition of a man is the opposite of what I seen growing up, to be honest. So, um, I mean, to me, a man is a provider, which I had that growing up. But more than that, an example, a leader, um, a lover. You know, you got to be compassionate, um, lead by example, um, you know, being vulnerable, man. I think that's the biggest thing he said it. being vulnerable has been like uh, when I started becoming vulnerable as a man, as a father, as a husband, everything changed for me. So, um, but definitely, definitely, definitely leading by example. Dope, sure. dope. Keenan, what's up? What, what is your, what is your working definition of a man, bro? I mean, I would say a man, uh, personally, someone who takes initiative, one, um, there's nothing more boyish than a guy than a guy that has to be told to do something. So uh, for me, uh, me being a man, nobody's going to have to remind me that I have the responsibility of being a father. I have the responsibility of being a protector. I have the responsibility of being a husband. 
Um, you know, just having that initiative and, and I love the integrity like that. That's a big thing with me. Um, men are integral. So um, that, that's that's pretty much my little small list. OK, um, uh, I'm interested to know people's pastor. What's up? Talk to me. A, a man is a mature um, sex called male. Now just like um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I said dog. Uh, the first word that got we didn't already said the word sex already. It's it's happening. Uh, a man is someone that is not just uh, mature as far as um, age wise, but one that's a male that's responsible about his actions. Yeah, and his actions show fruit that he actually is a protector, not just of himself. But of others, if it's his family, if it's his uh, wife, kids, his career, whatever he's overseeing, he's responsible. He's a good steward over whatever has been presented to him. That's what I look at as a man. All right. I, I love that. Those, those are some good saved answers. So I'm looking. So tonight's show is all about uh, uh, our journey to this place called fatherhood. Um, not, and you notice I didn't just say father. I said dad. Um, I yeah. think it's definitely a difference between being a father, uh, being a father and being a dad. Um, I think many people who you know, actually everybody, everybody on the face of the planet has a father, but everybody on the face of the planet does not have a dad. And I know that there are a lot of the issues or social issues that we see in the world are caused um, by the lack of a dad, really um, a lack of a dad in people's lives. So um, I don't know if you guys know my story, but um, I, in my first book, I start to I give a glimpse of, yo, I didn't know who my biological father was until I was 25 years old. Um, and uh, my mother really didn't tell the truth. Um, I'll say it like that. She didn't tell the truth about who my father was until my 25th birthday when my aunt got mad at her. Um, and they had, you know, they had a conversation. I wouldn't say got mad, but they had a, you know, uh, uh, they had s some type of confrontation and yeah. it came out. Well, you know, da, 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 it, that ain't his daddy anyway, you know? So it came out, it came out like that. And, um, to be honest, my father, uh, he doesn't, he could care less if I, um, am breathing pretty much. Um, and I've reached out to him throughout the years to say, yo, you know, I, I'm here. I exist. I have children. Um, he's admitted he was my father. But because uh, I came, I was the result of an affair with a preacher's wife. It was like, yeah, I'm a married. He was married. Um, he felt like he got caught up and he's like, yo, I don't want anything to do with it. And now I am a for him. I am his reminder that he made it, he had an affair with somebody and got pregnant and got caught up. So regardless, and I think for a long time, um, I didn't tell that story, but uh, for a long time, uh, I felt like I could never achieve enough, do enough, be enough. And one of the most painful areas of my life was actually becoming a father. People look at my kids and my kids are gorgeous, but people don't really know. Sometimes um, for me, it was painful being a father because the love that I was giving to my kids, I was like, well, dang, I'm never going to get the love that I'm giving them from my father. Yeah. 
And so um, that was, you know, that was a hurdle and sometimes a continuous hurdle that I have to overcome um, sometimes at different phases of my life. So I want to I want to kind of throw that out there. Have any of you guys actually, you know, have any stories like that where you didn't have the ideal father growing up and you dealt with, you know, and you're dealing and processing um, through that experience? I can say I personally am. Um, my dad was actually in the household. My parents have been married almost 37 years, but my dad was a provider. Like, like so my dad worked, 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 worked. He missed basketball games, um, a lot of stuff that interests me. Um, so I, I held a lot of resentment for that because I never got that that, you know, that fatherly son bond where it's like the, oh, me and my dad going fishing or my dad is coming. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I never got that. I always got the the man part of, hey, men don't cry. Men are tough. Men protect what's theirs. Men work. So, like, that's the side of the man that I got. And the emotional part went, it, it, my, my emotional side was handicapped. So, becoming a father, um, my wife and I Sorry about that. That's my oldest son calling me, not knowing. But my wife and I actually just had a discussion about this that, you know, with my oldest son, I was very uh, emotionally draining because I ha- I didn't have the concept of what a real man was. When my son cried, I was always on him. Hey, straighten up. Stop that What need to do to change this? It was always, hey, you acting like a girl. And then when I had my second son, I started seeing his emotions 10 times worse than my first son. So I felt it was God showing me like, hey, it's not just about being the tough guy. Like you have to love these men. So like, and that's the, that's the situation we deal with now in society. We have a lot of tough guys and, uh, and they're emotionless. So that's why it's easy for a grown man to go kill a nine year old like in Chicago. You know what I mean? So the compassionate part of us lacks because of what we have been taught men are, um, it's actually the, the opposite. So it's, it's actually killing us and not killing us, but handicapping us as being full men. That's good. Anybody else got any stories like that? Well, I can um, chime in. So, you know, I had a father in the house, which was my father, and he wasn't really around. Um, we, we got a working relationship now, but it was it was unique because, you know, um, if anybody ever saw my mom's sibling, my siblings, my mom's kids, uh, me and my, I got a twin brother. We're lighter. And so everybody else in the house, dark skin, brown skin. And I'm over here looking like some ain't adding up, yeah, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, I know this my mom. And, you know, it felt like you was disenfranchised in your own house without even speaking it. But um, it was one of those things where, you know, just that identity, you know, growing up when you can know who you know, who you are, where you come from, um, besides just like, oh, I'm from Inglewood or I'm from, I go to this school. It was like that identity that you, when you when you know that your father is present, even if your father, you, as we all know, is father, you know, when I was younger, he had his own issues that he was dealing with. So, you know, me trying to navigate through that and also try to establish relationship with, um, you know, my stepfather was unique because 
I'm not his his first child and he has other kids in the household and you're trying to figure out like, man, how does this dynamic work as their favoritism? And so it was always this um, this gap um, that I always said. And it, it, it followed me, you know, in life, you know, when you go to games, like you said, like me playing basketball, not having my dad in the stands, but you see other fathers in the stands, you know, rooting their kids on. And so, you know, that that sense of identity, that sense of strength that comes with knowing that you got that that man, that 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 masculine figure, not just your mom, which you know your mom can do, but that's just backing you up. It brings another level of learn to process through um, through other men because my father wasn't um, a present father in my childhood and teenage years. Wow. So, Aaron, uh, Aaron, I'm interested to know, like, what type of father, you know, are you? What type of father did you have growing up? And, man, how do you think your children or your child views you? So, uh, my parents, they're actually celebrating their 30th anniversary this month. And he's always been present in my life. I've had a, you know, in my childhood, I always saw him as the disciplinary type type of person because he was in the military. He was pretty strict with everything he did. And, you know, throughout my whole childhood and teenage years, like, man, you know, almost like a, I was scared of him. But when I turned 18, him and I started working together and we developed a different kind of relationship. And even after that, you know, right now, not like a, a father-son type of conversation but we're we're true friends and and that's something that I, I really honor and I respect and, and I appreciate about my father my father has always been a provider um and that's that's something that I try to do I try to be a provider and not just financially but also a provider of my time a provider of my presence a provider of love because that's something that a lot of people don't experience. And like, I, I saw it, especially with girls, like when I was a teenager and I would try to talk to a girl, a lot of times she might've had daddy issues. And I hated that because she was so hurt from her daddy issues that she wouldn't even open up to me. And I told myself, you know, that one of the things that I needed in my wife was that she had a relationship with her father. And thankfully I, I did a relationship with her father but my son uh, I have one son he's two and then my wife is pregnant right now with a baby girl so Whoa. I'm really excited about that come on fruit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so right now I don't I can't really see exactly my son can't explain to me how he how his out view or how he perceives me but I like to think that I'm, you know, the one he can go to when when he needs help. Uh, my wife and I, we joked around before we had kids and we said, or I told her that whenever I have to, whenever I have to discipline my children, I'm going to discipline them. And then right after that, we're going to hug, we're going to, you know, do everything. And I'm going to tell them that I love them and, and we're just going to move forward. And I do that now. So like when my son does something, you know, that he has no business doing, I discipline them, but then I always make sure to follow that up with saying and then business. And I think that's important to, you know, follow up discipline with love, but uh, that's. 
that's something else. That's good. I, I'm glad to hear how your journey, how you're uh, sharing your uh, your journey, your perspective, uh, and your experience, and you're bringing that positive energy um, to your house or your son. That's amazing. And I think we as all men, we um, as men, we endeavor to do that. We endeavor to be healthy. We endeavor to produce whole children, um, whole children and whole households. Um, my mentor, Dion, says it like this. He says that men are given a world um, and they are given the world by God to govern. And whatever they are responsible for, they are. Look at me. I sound like him. They're responsible for governing that world. Um, and so sometimes in that uh, bit, with that being said, um, when we are trying to govern that world, create safe spaces um, for the world, for the people that we're responsible for, um, we have to then because we are the people who are creating the safe space, we have to kind of fight the junk to protect the space. So I'm interested to and that was a good way of saying that we have to protect, project, protect um, um, and fight the junk that uh, that are uh, that tries to come in and take over or take root um, in our in our children in our families. And I'm interested, uh, Eddie, um, in knowing from you and from Sergio, yo, um, what are some things that you guys have to contend with in order to create those safe spaces and in order to make sure that you're well, your kids are well. Your, you know, your wives are well. Um, and even if those things are from within, what are some of the things you have to contend with? Eddie. Um, the world brings so many distractions our way um, as, as men um, from A to Z and, and really guarding ourselves to make sure we put ourselves in the situation uh, to not only honor ourselves, right, but honor our spouses. And as we honor our spouse or, or the mother of our child, then we honor our child as well. And, and our child sees those things. So I think one of the biggest things that, you know, we need to contend with and we contend with as men um, as well can be our pride, right? Um, baby mama says, you know, don't discipline our child, our child that way. You're like, well, I'm the father. I'm going to do what I got to do to discipline the child. Um, my wife says, hey, the child, this is not how we do it. This is not how this individual, um, you know, receives a, a, a rebuke or a correction. Um, and you're like, well, this is how I learned. This is how I was taught. So it's like kind of having to adjust to things as that was that was beat or abused or anything like that. Um, but correction was brought my way in a different manner. I mean, being Hispanic, you know, you, you hear, you see the memes and stuff like the chancleta, the sandal coming straight at the head, right? Um, you know, so so it's it's one of those things that we need to really contend with uh, a partnership with the mother of your child or our spouse to be able to bring the proper correction um, that needs to be brought for the particular child because they're all different. Mm -hmm. Mm, man, so I'm interested. What are so as far as uh, things that you have to contend with? Like, um, so do you have a, uh, a are you do you have a blended family? So do you have a, a child from a different relationship, and now you have a, a wife with a, another child? No, no, no. Okay, no. I'm just that was just examples I'm throwing out. Good. So Sergio, yo, talk to me, bro. And so for me, um, so I have 
a five-year-old boy from a past relationship, right? And then my wife, my wife, we have, she came with two little girls, right? Um, so I have two daughters and then I got a baby boy on the way. So I got my own kid. I got two kids that um, are mine now, but they were hers. And then I, we got a baby together on the way. So I got like a little mix of everything. Um, for me, I have, so my father, my father was, he's an amazing father. My real father is an amazing father. I also had a stepfather. And now I understand um, a lot of things that he did and why he did it. Um, but I had to unlearn so many things to be able to do what, what I do now. You know what I mean? Like to be a father at home. So my stepfather wasn't very present. He was, you know, he was harsh. He was an alcoholic. Um, but in his way, he always tried teaching me, right? He always tried disciplining me. So when I got my kids, you know, I had to take some of the disciplining things I learned from him and then some of the things I learned from my real father who, you know him, he's a pastor and he, uh, he, he's different. He disciplines different. He's, he disciplines with more mercy, more love, more patience. Um, so it's kind of a mixture of two, but as far as like, uh, creating safe spaces, um, so when I got with my wife, you know, she had her way. She was a single mom, right. Of two little girls. So very overprotective, you know, so many, you know, that she created her own way of, of, you know, taking care of the girls and she was doing the best that she can. And she's an amazing mommy, but there was no father. Um, and so, and she comes with her own, you know, father issues. So she comes a lot. So, you know, being a dad is hard. Let's just be real, right? Being a dad, being a father is hard. Um, there's no manual, right? There's no one way to do it. I think I think it all goes, you know, depending on your kids, if you have boys, if you have girls, if you have, you know, it, the ages. But for me, um, because the girls, they have been through a lot as when they were little. Um, I had to, one of the biggest things is the way I treat my wife. You know, um, like you said, honor her, um, love on her, be patient, be merciful, almost be, you know, you, you I don't, I don't even know how to like put into words, but you, like, like, um, like almost living in like, uh, I guess honor, honor is the best way to put it um, so that they can see that, you know, because when I came into those kids lives, man, they were like, not this guy, I don't know who you um, so it's them seeing the way I love their mom, you know, changed a little bit of their perspective and kind of softened them up. And then that allowed me to go in and be able to love on them, you know. But what was hard for me was my stepfather was the kind of guy that was like, yo, you're 13 and a virgin. You're gay, dude. You know, you like, you're gay, bro. Like, <laughs> You never had a girlfriend, dude, you're whack. And so I grew up with that mentality. Oh, you're a man, you can't cry. And yeah. here I got, I got little girls and I grew up with this mentality, you know, that if you cry, you got to shut up. You know what I mean? Yeah. If You know, if you're not listening, you you get whooped and you get sent to you, you know, so it's different. Um, and actually my wife had to teach me a lot of things because, because I have little girls. Um, but, you know, I just I just try to be patient and loving. Um, as far as like creating space, 
relationship with my wife, man, and the, everything falls in line. And I honor my kids, man. You got to honor your kids, too. You love on them. You treat them like they're going to be women, so you got to treat them like little ladies. And if they're boys, if you have boys, same thing. So my firstborn, I, I haven't had the chance to raise him. I didn't get a chance to be his father. You know, that's still in process. But uh, so I'm going to miss the little boy that we have on the way right now. Um, it's going to be my first time basically raising a boy, you know, with my wife. So I got a lot to learn still, but um, I'm excited, man. So, you know, I, I tell me if I'm pressing in too much, um, uh, Sergio, but I'm interested to know reason being because there are men out there that I know right now who do not have who have not had the opportunity to be fathers to their children for one reason or another. Maybe it was baby mama drama. Maybe it was um, the, the, you know, the girl was, you know, upset. We, there's a, a slew of stories, um, storylines that go to that. How do you process? How do you live through um, not being able, uh, not being able to see or be in your child's life? Somebody, someone that you know has your DNA. How how do you cope with that? Right. So I I always explain it like this. Um, it it it's like having your heart beating outside of your chest all the time. You know he's he's your he's my blood, right? He's my firstborn. Um, but not to get super spiritual, but you know I had to. I it was the hardest decision of my life. So when my journey is pretty much this. I was with somebody out of disobedience to God. You know, God had warned me. I can't. I just, you got to be real. God had warned me. I got her pregnant. I didn't even know she was pregnant. We broke up. She came back. Hey, I'm pregnant. And so I was or do I make the hard decision, which I knew that walking away from that relationship was going to cost me my son at first, but I had to trust God. So that's a huge part of you know, you understanding like what comes next and what I'm about to say. Um, it was hard because I made that decision, but you know, in my selfish ways, like I still expected it to be perfect. Like, Hey, we can still co-parent. I can have the baby. You can have the baby. You know what I mean? I had a lot of unrealistic expectations and I was very young. I, mean, I was 20 years old. Yeah. 21 years old. I was 21 years old when he was born. So um, I was still very young. Guys think they're men at 21, but that's not true. That's nowhere near the truth. So um, I was very young. Uh, man, I used to scream. I used to cry, flip tables. I used to lose my mind because, you know, I wanted to see him. I wanted to be with him. But every time I would go see him, she just wanted to be with me. Or like, this is about the baby, you know? I wouldn't, I never, I never put into consideration her feelings because I was so focused on having my son, you know, um, it's hard. It's still is hard. Um, but with time, you know, you calm down, you know, you learn you, it teaches you patience. It teaches you to be, to like, to really to trust God because nowadays, man, this world is scary, you know, and, and, there's so many like men need their fathers they really do they need their mothers man i never intended to take my son away from his mother but they need their fathers too man it's it's so important that's why man jesus had a stepfather you know what i mean let's just be real so i always worry about you know how he's being raised what he's being taught how he's gonna be you know am i gonna be picking him up from jail am i gonna be you know what i mean so 
You know, God has given me peace, man. God has given me his word, you know, and so I just, I dwell on that. Sometimes I cry, like, when it's his birthday and stuff, you know, special occasions is hard, but. Man, that's that's real. That's real, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yo, so one of the issues that um, I tend to have to work through um, is is resentment towards my father. Um, that's something that, you know, God has had to. Woo, put some stuff on I remember when Father's Day would come around before I had children and for Father's Day that was one of the most painful um, holidays to kind of have to, to kind of have to live through um, because I couldn't understand for the life of me you know I got degrees I'm married you know I'm, I got uh, you know I'm doing it um, I'm you know and you don't want to be in my life and you don't want to acknowledge me and I think I lived in that state. And I think for also another thing that jacked me up a little bit, um, I kept running from a pastor to pastor, from church to church, from leader to leader, looking for a daddy, looking for. Um, and I, I didn't mean to hit this vein, but I'm going to hit it. I'm going to get off of it. Um, I was looking for a father um, in pastors and in mentors. And I didn't I wasn't looking for them to be my pastor. I was looking them for them to be my dad. And when I placed those unrealistic, unrealistic expectations upon them and they failed me, it sent me further and I had more. It sent me further away and had more resentment. And I think one of the things that I really had to work on and really had to process through being a father is a resentment towards my father um, and uh, and resentment towards people who call themselves my father um, and then drop. And then drop me for one reason or another. Um, I asked that because I want to know: Have any of you brothers had to work through? I know Keenan, you said you a little bit, but um, have any of you had to work through um, resentment towards your father? Um, and and how? And one thing I love that Aaron said: He talked about how the evolution of his relationship with his father has changed. You know, over the years. Have any of you had to work through resentment and grow into something else? Eddie, you shaking your head, so you might need to talk yeah, to him. I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy because right now, you know, we're kind of, I'm kind of in the, I'm trying to work on reconciling the relationship between me and my dad. You know, my dad left when I was 13 years old. Um, literally, I was playing baseball at the park. One of the things like my sanctuary back then and what happened was I, you know, he pulls it up, never really came to any of my games, so it was kind of weird, and he just flat out breaks the news, like, listen, I'm growing into my own, like, this is a time where, you know, a young man that's growing up needs a father figure, and things for me right there went downhill, you know, um, you know, mom and him were already separated, um, but when, when he left, you know, that was like, and, and being gone for 10 years, like the bulk of my adolescence, the bulk of the time where a young man needs a father figure, I, I was, I was distraught. You know what I'm saying? It was something that I went down a path that, um, you know, I, I would never have imagined myself. And it was only by, you know, in, in all honesty, by the grace of God that I didn't get myself locked up, get myself arrested, um, get myself killed or, or got myself in, in gangs or anything like that. Um, because, you know, when, when your father leaves and you have that father figure that's gone and no one really there to kind of supplement that, 
Um, you know, it's looking for um, and that's exactly what kind of started to happen uh, to me until I realized, hey, listen, I can't go down this route because if I go down this route and this road, uh, it, it ain't gonna look bright. So, so man, I and, know you. I know you kind of yeah. skated over a little bit, but I, you know, I'm you know we we we're on the Iron Man podcast, so I'm I'm just gonna ask, uh, um, what did some of that journey look like for you? Yeah, so I mean, premarital sex, uh, drugs, alcohol. Um, you know, I would. I would drink a, a pint of uh, Bacardi and lime all by myself at the age of 15. Um, just really kind of getting to a point where I just wanted to block everything out um, and not really, you know, not necessarily suicidal because that wasn't the case because I love to live and I love to breathe and I love to do what I do. Um, but it was so, um, so crazy that, you know, and then mom's going through her issues with substance abuse and things uh, on the fact that yo dad's gone mom's not acting right um i gotta grow up i gotta be mom i gotta be dad i gotta make hot dogs with bread you know what i'm saying so the struggle was real um and 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 i attributed that to yo my father was not here my father was gone and i had to step up early and now you know eddie's growing up all messed up and, and kind of things like that you know you see other fathers and things of that nature and it kind of stings a little bit like you know, as, as Aaron was saying, and, um, you know, fathers going to baseball games and things of that nature, that wasn't, that wasn't the case for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and it, it was hard. It, it stung not having a father figure there and, you know, realizing that he was back, even when he came back to, to Chicago from Puerto Rico, uh, I found out and it was probably months, 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 if not even a year or two before I finally reached out to even, and, and this was me being saved. I was hurt. You know what I'm saying? It, it was, um, kind of held me down for for a while um, to really finally just reach out and say, hey, listen, um, you know, we got to talk a little bit. And so we have bits, you know, conversations here and there. Um, and, and I'm still working even this past Sunday, you know, called them on my way home um, and, and trying to just work on because I do want him to have a relationship with both of his grandchildren, you know, something that I didn't have. Like, you know, my son wants to build a birdhouse. I, I'm I play sports. I, I don't, I don't build, you know what I'm saying? I don't work on cars. My dad does that stuff. So I'm about to hit him up, you know, sometime soon, maybe for father's day, you know, Hey, listen, let's, let's get together. Let's build this birdhouse. Man. That's love, man. I thank you guys for your, your, uh, your, your candidness and your transparency. So I want to, I want to kind of transition a little bit and, and, um, and ask this question because as men um, one as men first we have responsibilities as husbands as fathers we have a whole different uh, rankings of responsibility um, how do you balance fatherhood relationships employment um, your hobbies how do you balance all of that I'm interested uh, Aaron um, and uh, Aaron to, to know kind of how do you balance that, Keenan? How do you balance that, um, and Terrence? How do you how do you balance all of what you do and still manage to be a dad? You know, um, for me, that's something that I've been trying to focus on for the last two years, particularly because um, I'll give you this quick little background. Um, in my job field, I would have to travel sometimes. 
and I was put on an assignment to um, Decatur, which is about two hours, two and a half hours, and going there, coming back. And then it got to the point to where my job said, hey, um, we, we're tired of putting you in a hotel. Uh, we need you to move to Decatur. And I have a house here, you know, my family, all of my family, all my friends live up here. I couldn't just move. So I said, all right, you know, how about this? If you guys can get my job, my brother a job, I'll, I'll move down there and, you know, we'll try to make it work. My wife and I, we spoke, we said, you know, we'll, we'll make it work somehow, you know, cause I didn't want to be out of a job, but I still want to continue to provide financially. But, you know, in my head, I was only thinking about the finances. I wasn't thinking about my time, my presence and everything, because it turned out I was down there five days a week and I would try to come home every weekend. And so I was a part-time dad. I was a part-time husband. I was part-time present and I hated it. I did this for years. birthday. I had to go ahead and take off work that I could be here for his birthday. And then, you know, things just, it wasn't sitting well with me. You know, we, my wife and I were bumping heads a lot about everything. And it came to the point where I said, it took a year, unfortunately, but I said, you know what, I need to, I need to do something. So I started, you know, looking for other jobs, started applying, had an interview, things worked out. I put in a two week notice at my job and I was like, cool. And this is going to be up in Schaumburg area. So still about 30, 40 minutes away from my house, but I'll be back home. So um, the day before, no, two days before my last day, my job approached me, my company approached me and they said, hey, um, you know, you've been with us for almost eight years now. We want to go ahead and make you an offer. We'll offer you some more money and you can work from home if you want to. And where I was going, I said, hey, I'm going a different route in my career path. And so since... October, September, October, uh, I've been working from home and it completely changed everything. You know, it's a, now I'm here every night because I would have to FaceTime my wife and tuck my son into bed virtually and stuff. And that killed me. I hated that because I always told myself I wanted to be present. I wanted to be there for everything. And I was missing out on stuff. You know, I was down two hours away when my son went to the apple orchard for the first time. And that was like something that I was like, oh, I wanted to go there, you know, County Lion Orchard. I wanted to eat the donuts and stuff with them, but it, it killed me. And now I'm here and I, I get to wake up with them. I get to tuck them into bed. I get to eat lunch with them. I get to, you know, experience a bunch of stuff. And I want to make sure that it stays like that when my daughter actually but having a daughter is, a completely different thing and I haven't even fully experienced it yet but I already know you know that's that's gonna be my my baby girl he's on my wife's hip all the time and I'm like hey now it's gonna be right there I'm gonna have my own now (laughs) so you know as as um you guys uh, as you answer um it's funny because my wife and I we've had the same conversation um for me not having my father one of the issues or one of the things that I had an issue with or she had an issue with me was presence, right? Um, uh, because your presence really is the present to your children and to your yeah. family. 
And for me, I'm like, yo, I'm trying to build the world. You know, I'm trying to build something. I'm trying to change the world. I think uh, when when I first got married, had our first son, you know, my son at one year old, I think went on a total of 28 flights his first year of birth uh, because we were just in the airport that much traveling, preaching, teaching, workshopping, um, because I was going to be a gladiator for Jesus and travel all over the world. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just take my family with me. You know, they'll just be with me. And um, my wife was like, yo, bro, hey, 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 you know, the first kid she could manage, the second one, she's like, I, you know, and so on top of work and on top of um, all of that, I think I had, she had, I thought it was very offensive when she came to me first and was like, yo, I need you to be home. I, we need to settle down. We need your presence. And I was like, okay, bet. So I was there and I was home, but I wasn't there. And that was a conversation we always had being present physically, but not being emotionally or, or physically or um, not being uh, emotionally present in at home. So I wonder, you know, um, for, and I would think some of the stuff she would talk about was so small. And I'm like, you, I'm trying to change the world and get people healed free. And you talking about some kids that don't even know my, how to say daddy yet. Um, mm-hmm. And I had to contend with that. So um, I'm looking um, now to hear, I, I want to hear from Keenan and Torrance to see, uh, because I know Torrance, you're a police officer, um, and I know Keenan, you know, you're, a, you're an artist. So how, did you, how do you guys contend with all that? Torrance, you first. Yeah. I, it's, it's a miracle, man. No, I'll just let. Oh, it's, it's, it's like a legit juggling act. Um, to be honest, it's a lot of factors and variables that come in. Um, you, you know, it's a I'm like very proactive in things I do. I still like to play sports. You know, you have these dilemmas, these inside tongues, like, man, I'm still young too. I need to be active. I ain't trying to have to, uh, it's just these different things that we, we deal with and internalize. And so one thing that I had to deal with, you know, is, you know, that really keeps me centered is listening to my wife. My wife would be like, Hey Torrance, um, you only changed one pamper this week. And I'm like, you lying. But things like that, I realized, like, dang, I'm here, but I'm not present. You know, I come in from work, and if they're in the bed already, I realize, like, man, I missed her. I don't want to be, you know, having time away from them. And it's always like, man, putting, keeping at the forefront, like, what's most important? And me not having, you know, my my biological father around, it really have that sometimes are not bad distractions because work is important because men need to provide for their family. They want to provide for their family. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I'm a you know bivocational minister. I'm a pastor with a ministry. You know, doing that, but I'm like, what's first things first? And keeping that in the forefront, keeping first things first that help you balance when other things are tugging for your attention. And things sometimes don't always go the way you plan, but when you always keep the right perspective, I believe that's the way I'm able to balance. And when I realize I underperform, 
I try to give, put more deposits in the next week. It can be even like things that we deal with in our generation as far as parenting, like um, social media and our cell phones. That's another distraction that we have that we have to be honest with. Sometimes this can keep us tuned out. We ain't on the TV. We over here on Facebook. Dang, get a kid an iPad and that's still not being present. So it's really those things like that, like really understanding like, man, you want to be in the moment with your kids. You don't want to miss, um, you know, like things that happen. And I remember my wife went on a boat ride with my daughter. I was at work so jealous, like a, a, a dead jealousy. And I'm like, man, this this is like I, I want to. And it motivates me to say, man, what do you what can you be creative about to make sure that you're like getting a chance to be in their life, creating experiences with them with them and things like that. So I really just say, keeping at the forefront that your kids and your family is the most important thing with everything else that I'm juggling, trying to, you know, do your own hobbies, your own desires. It's not that it's, um, you can't do it. It just has its place. But first things comes first. And we all, first I, 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 I knew what I was doing. You know, and I have to be responsible with that. That's my answer. What's up, Keenan? Talk to me, bro. Yeah, uh, uh, I would have to say um, the the balance came. I'll go from young Keenan uh, pre marriage, uh, right before I met my wife. So young Keenan was always uh, being the musician, going to every church, trying to make my money, trying to keep money in my bank account, trying to you know make sure. I'm financially stable because you grow up, you got to hear, you always hear men are financially stable before they get a wife. So it's like, man, I got to make sure I got enough money. If I do take a girl out, she ain't got to pay for nothing. So kind of like that male chauvinist type thing, like I'm going to do everything. I don't need you. So when I got married, it kind of carried over and it started like, uh, like started to slow the process of my marriage, like pushing my wife away from me. And then every service every time a pastor call can you come play can you come sing and then you know um i got the business manager job with at&t so now i'm making like good money and i got my side hustle with being a musician so it's like man i'm providing i'm providing i'm providing but i'm absent in my home so you know my wife it took her and it's crazy you said that it took my wife telling me like hey like we come first like you you missing so much like uh, missing my son's first football game, his first touchdown. I'm salty as ever. I'm the dad and my wife at the football game, but I'm at, I'm out trying to hustle the dollar, got to close one more sale, or, you know, trying to uh, go to this writing session or this shed or, so it's like, you know, prioritizing that the f- charity begins at home. It's that, that simple. And growing up Church of God in Christ, not knowing uh, and not reading the word, replies to what the pastor wanted me to do you know not really analyzing that the scripture was for me what God wanted me to do so realizing that charity began at my home my address my family my children like that's when I realized nothing will come before them anymore and move from Chicago to Atlanta that really changed uh, for me and my wife because now we had to become 
independent. So now I really have to learn how to structure my time with my wife, with work, with the activities I wanted to do, the men's leagues, the 25 and over leagues. So really trying to prioritize what came first. All right, I did 80% of my time with the wife and kids. She's gonna allow me these two days of the week to completely do me. So it's like, you know, we, we figured out <laughs> we figured out a plan that worked for us. You know, like, hey, you go do this. She's tired too. So me being a man, not even really, oh, she the wife, she the mother, she's the nurturer, she'll take care of the kids. Not knowing that was killing my marriage. So, you know, like God had to really deal with me like, yo, dude, you got to start here. You can't start with finances first and push your family last. You can't start with trying to be the artist first and push your family behind. It starts with your household. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's really good. I think one of the things that my uh, lessons that I learned from my wife um, and even, you know, when I started, when I got married was God first, family second and ministry last. Right. Yeah. God first ministry. Uh, God first uh, family second and ministry last. Um, and for a lot of people, a lot of people, their understanding of God, ministry, church are synonymous. They're synonymous with one another. And I think, you know, and I have to put my two cents in. I think as a pastor, as a preacher, as an evangelist, uh, I think church has killed so many marriages has killed so has ruined so many children's lives. Um, you know, there's all types of jokes about PKs, preachers, kids, all that jazz, uh, because people's understanding of what I do. People have an understanding of my what I do. God loves me or my love for God or God's love towards me is predicated upon what I do for him. And so that type of mentality, you know, it's always, you know, for me growing up, I was always at church. I was I was. And for me, um, you know, I'm an advocate of for males who've been sexually uh, sexually who've experienced sexually traumatic experiences. For me, I tried to find fathers in people in church. And those fathers were the same people who wound up being my abusers. Um, And I had to contend with had to contend with that. Um, But. You guys have been giving me so much life um, tonight. Um, I, I just really want to start wrapping this thing up and ask you guys, um, what are things right now as men, as fathers that you're going through? We want to keep the comments, just kind of go right to it. What are some things that you're growing to going through to become the best version of yourself for your children? I'm going to start off with Eddie. I think the biggest thing that I'm growing through um, you know, it, it's kind of that being able to balance. I think that that's one of the things that I'm growing through. Uh, for me, you know, playing sports is huge, obviously. Um, so be having to balance that with work and ministry um, and, and be present, you know, that's that's one you you really didn't have um, that father figure uh, in your life, you know, to, to kind of give you, uh, a starting block in, in essence, you know, kind of having to, uh, 
in essence, kind of build those blocks, um, not necessarily on your own, uh, you know, because I, I have a tremendous mentor in my senior pastor, a spiritual father who's kind of been the example and has kind of set the example, set the bar um, for me uh, to be able to take my my love for my kids and stuff like that to another level. So really just uh, growing through um, seeing examples of other men and kind of what they're doing to uh, to be dads. That's dope. What about you? What about you, Sergio? Uh, for me, man, uh, I think creating something, building something sustainable for my family and at the same time, and also being aware of, well, you know, their dreams, their desires, their wants, what they want to build, what they want to create, you know, from my wife all the way to my smallest one. So for sure, it's been, that's a growing experience because sometimes we get so caught up in like, man, I'm trying to create this. I want to make this. I want to do this. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. But really, you know, we, they have their own aspirations. And so for me, that's something that I'm, I'm learning to, to balance. So we, we just moved out here to Miami about a year ago. You know, we've been, we're about to hit a year married. We're about to have a baby. We got little girls. So we, you know, a lot of things going on at the same time and also kind of, you know, just grow in like parenting together, you know, something as simple as that, you know, quality time together, balancing, you know, spending time with the kids and spending time with each other. So it's a lot of stuff, but it's, it's, uh, those are, those are those things. Good. So Aaron, current, well, like, what are you growing through right now, bro? Uh, something that I'm going through and growing through is learning to be a leader because, you know, I have to be able to lead my family. I have to be able to lead my wife. I have to be able to lead my kids. I have to, you know, when they're trying to figure out what they need to do, they need to be able to look to me to, to tell them what to do. And I need to be able to look to God to be able to say, God, what do I do for my family? So that's one of the things. But then one of the other things um, is being before we had kids, my wife and I always told each other we need to learn how to be husband and wife before we try to learn to be a mother and father. And that's something that is still going on. I need to continually learn before I had kids, I was a husband. While I have kids, I'm a husband. And when we're empty nesters, you know, 20 plus years from now, I'm still gonna be a husband. You know, we're not going to have any kids around, but I'm still going to be a husband. And loving my wife is one of the ways that I teach my son to be a man. Is one of the ways that I teach my son to be a future husband is by loving my wife. And some that's just something that I, I continually try to do is be better at loving my wife and be more uh, intentional in the ways that I love my wife so that my son can look up to me and see, you know what, dad, Daddy really loves mommy, or you know, however. So that that's something that I'm working towards and, and growing through. I think Aaron, that was really powerful. Um, one thing that we haven't really hit on is, you know, um, how we treat our wives and what that speaks to, how that speaks to and correlates um, in our children's lives. That was powerful, Aaron. Um, talk to me, uh, Terrence. Terrence, what's, what's up? The biggest thing for me, like I said, is the balance of um, 
like I played sports. I played all the way to college, you know, and the men that became fathers for me was my basketball coaches. And one thing that I kind of see myself do at times, my wife had to tell me, like, if my daughter bump her head, I got two little girls. Um, my daughter bump her head or something. I'm like, get up, you a wall. You hit the floor, you hit the floor ain't hit you. And I'm realizing like, okay, I gotta adjust because yeah. that was the side of me that, you know, just knew how to perform instead of being, you know, um, just empathetic and things like that. And I think my daughters and my wife is bringing that out of me because sometimes I can be that that coach, that drill sergeant, that, that just, let's go, perform, let's go. And for them to grow, even as I'm growing, because it's grace for that. Sometimes we want them to, them to be perfect and grace, but we but we still growing. And so giving grace for your wife and your children to grow and you to grow at the same time, giving grace for everybody to grow. Big G with the for the um every G, everybody to grow. There you go. Keenan, what's up, bro? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to piggyback off Torrance. Uh, Grace has been my growing through that. Uh, my dad, man, um, we have a great relationship now. And he said something along the lines of, uh, you can't be mad at your kids for something that you were never delivered from. So my kids have my attitude. My kids are, um, they're quick. They're very witty. So their response is just like mine. And I have the, the tendency to or like, I remember, like, Negro, you you the same way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, um, and, 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 and even to go back to what Aaron said, uh, learning how to not be that way with my wife as well. Um, learning how to love her. Like, it, like the Bible says, love your wife like Christ loved the church. If you think of how Christ loved the church, it's through our attitudes, our, 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 our stepping away from him our disobedience, everything. So it's like, no matter what your wife throw at you, you, you got to stick that out. You got to love her through it. So showing my sons how to properly love my wife, because my wife didn't have her father at all. So it's still a learning curve of her adjusting to, uh, I don't want to say a male authoritative figure, but having that, that authority of a man in her life is still an adjustment. So that grace of having that grace for her in that situation has been my learning. I love her through her moments when she goes back to, uh, like, don't no man talk to me like that. You know what I mean? Like, so that, that, that grace, that's the, that's, that's what I'm growing through right now. That's powerful, dude. My wife used to tell me all the time, you're not my daddy. Stop talking to me like, <laughs> stop talking to me like you my daddy. And I'm like, yo, I ain't trying to be your dad, you know? Um, yeah. I'm governing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yo, so I, I think for me, one thing that I'm growing through is I have an older son. I have a four-year-old. Uh, I have a four-year-old son and a three-year-old son and a one and a half, a two-year-old daughter. Um, and I think what uh, one thing that I'm working through is. Um, being stern, but being grace-filled at the same time. Um, I think um, in, in all transparency, um, uh, my dad, my, in all transparency, my son, um, since we've been quarantined, 
my oldest son, he is just like me. And it's tar- and like when I tell what Keenan said, my my son is just like me, bro. He's sneaky. He he's he's you know whenever he gets in trouble, oh I love you, I love you, I love you. Like he's he's very much like that. And um, I have to. One day he asked me because I'm do I was doing something, and I snapped like I I kind of snap I was snappy at him, and he said to me he said Daddy, do I get on your nerves, Daddy? Do you want me here? And it killed me. It yeah. it yeah. straight up killed me. Like and and you know and I was like and I had to look at him like what huh? like where does he like where does he get this and I was like dude like you my how I approach him and how I deal with conflict um, it impacts his life it impacts his view of himself and I and he is the last person that I want to feel I want him to feel like daddy doesn't want him here or um, or that you know because I'm I'm somewhat more of a disciplinarian in our household, but I have to be like, yo, how do I be grace filled? You know, how do I, you know, and I, I want to hit this really quick. Um, some of you hit it on my, one of my, uh, my godfather told me, he said, Robert, you don't have to worry about making your boys hard. He said, hug on them, love on them, be present with them, give them grace. Um, and I think sometimes power is great is 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 when you can extend grace, when you can extend mercy and you can give love. Um, and that's something that I'm working through um, and I'm going growing through with my son, uh, not how not just being a tyrant. Um, and the Bible talks about, you know, not provoking our children to wrath or uh, to anger. And um, and I'm, I'm working through. Um, letting him know and communicating in a way with him that um, that he understands because I think for me growing up I always had you know it was always snappy it was always be seen and not heard um, you know you're a child stay in a child's place and I had to realize and this is just for me you no know, and just saying it out there that a lot of the ways that I think um, black people grew up was uh, uh, was from um, the remnants of slavery. I honestly, I honestly think that, and I say it like this, because when you hear some of the things that um, the idioms and some of the uh, the kind of cultural ways that uh, black people raise their children, you know, um, you're like, yo, that sounds like trauma. <laughs> like it's 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 it sounds like trauma, and I realize, like, yo. I had to realize that what was passed down, you know, go get me the switch, go do this. Go. Like I grew up in the South, so all of that. And I'm like, um, yo, that sounds like, and I had to really think about this, yo. And I, and I say this, and I'm, I'm going to get off of here. Um, it, it was like, yo, this sounds like a mother who was trying to protect their children while their husband was being sold um, or raped or beaten, and they're like, "Hey, do what I say, do no questions asked. Stay where I say, say. Sit where I say, sit. Stand up when I say, stand up." It, it and it honestly sounds like, you know, somebody who was trying to protect their children from the master, um, and it was they lived in a kind of hostile environment, and so when I started dissecting that, I'm like, "Yo, Robert." 
you ain't you're not living in that reality anymore. That's not your reality. And you don't have to raise your kids that way. You know, and so I've learned, you know, when my children, um, when my children, you know, get upset, I don't shut their emotions down when they get angry. I don't shut their anger down. You know, I don't. Hey, you better be quiet. Hey, you know, I try to hear them out, listen through, uh, you know, to a certain point, you know, when it's not when it's healthy um, to to listen to and let them process their emotion. And I've learned when I let them process and talk to them versus talking at them and yelling at them that I get better results. That takes a little bit more work, but go ahead, Tarns. And whoever else got boy and girls, uh, do you give more grace to your daughter? Oh my yeah, I think I'm soft with my daughter. Yeah, I'm, I'm soft, bro. That's that finger. I am soft. Then your boy. I'm soft. No doubt about it. No doubt. No doubt about it. Do you think it's on purpose, or do you think that you're you're being balanced? I just want to ask that. I, can I can I go ahead, bro? No, I was gonna say so. Um, it's funny you say that because I had to find myself. Um, I found myself uh, being unbalanced in that when my sons started mentioning it. So I noticed that I was unbalanced with it when my sons started sending my daughter to ask for things for them because they knew I would say yes to her. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's when I figured, oh, I need to I need to balance this out. But also, uh, let's say let's say on the discipline side, uh, my wife and my sons. So it's a, it's a weird it's a weird thing. And uh, like one, I don't I don't discipline my daughter. I think my wife. I always tell my wife I don't want my daughter to think that it's okay for any man to hit her. So me uh, whooping her or anything like that, chest type, like I'll talk to her. Like for her, I'm the nurturer. I'm the hugger for for my boys nah I'm the disciplinary so it's like you know having that that dynamic because I want my daughter to know like hey the man of the house is supposed to love you unconditionally the man of the house is supposed to hear you out you know hear your emotions out so that's what I try to do with that balance but I most definitely am a sucker for my daughter like a sucker absolutely you too you too Eddie (laughs) Absolutely. I got an 11 year old and, and yeah, it's the same way. I'm like, yeah. you know, my, she, sometimes, you know, she can do no, like, what's your problem? Like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it, it is the same with me and my wife. Um, and I told my wife, I said, you know what? Um, you, the only reason why you have a problem with it it's because she has the same access to my heart that you do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like earlier today, I heard my son, he was in the back in the pantry. Well, my wife was back there organizing something and I heard her say, no, you don't need no more snacks. You already had a snack. And about two minutes later, he come walking out with a snack. And I'm like, you just told him he don't get no more snacks. I'm like, what's going on with that? She's like, just wait, just wait, just wait. You got a couple more months. We're going to see how how wrapped around her finger you are. <laughs> Dude, wrapped ain't the word, man. Nah. It's, 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 it's beyond rap. <laughs> it's beyond. But I, when I look, the crazy thing, when I look at my daughter, like, I'm the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, 
oh my princess like that that like that's yeah. that's that feeling and i told my wife she's like she could she could do no wrong and and i'm like yo it's because she she is a mini you like you have yeah. like, I, will, I will do anything for you and i'm like yeah. she and i told my wife this the other day i said She's the my daughter is the only person in this house that loves me unconditionally. Like I can, yeah. like I could I could make the worst mistake and my daughter is going to love me unconditionally. So anyway, I, I know yeah, that's I not that's, Go ahead. Yeah, I think that's on steroids as well when she's your firstborn. <laughs> when she's your firstborn, I mean that's the first like I can just remember like just grabbing her and like as soon as like man, this is like Yo, I helped in like what? Like the first thing that comes down is like a shed a tear, and I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a wrap. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, man. Like my wife and I, we try. Um, and the crazy thing is, after we had my middle son, um, my wife had a miscarriage that caused her to lose uh, one of her uh, fallopian tubes. And they told us that it maybe be like a 20% chance that she ever had another baby, gave us these, and she had another miscarriage after that. So after two years of trying, like my wife was literally like, like I heard her crying, like I just want a daughter. And like you hear in the closet, I'm tired of draws, I'm tired of reds, I'm tired of greens. And then we finally got her and like I held her as like, like Rob said, like you can do no wrong. Like it's like a, it's like an unconditional like love puff. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's just like man, like and, and it's crazy. Like as a kid, you grow up watching like dads being overprotective. Like this is my baby, this is my baby, and then you grow up and you a father now. You like I understand them now. Like I understand the father being overprotective over the daughter, and, and you know what I mean. So like it's. Yeah, the yeah. You, when you have your daughter, man, believe me, your your pockets are gonna be empty. All the cookies you thought you were gonna have, she's gonna sneak them, and you're not gonna have a problem with it. So you, you're gonna have so much fun, man. I'm outnumbered at my house. I'm the only guy in the house. I got a girl, dog, girl, cat, two little girls, my wife, and a woman. Oh, so pray for me while y'all, you know, y'all just. <laughs> Listen, a lot of grace, like I said, a lot of grace. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Listen, man, I I am I am honored. Like, um, it's funny you start talking about my daughters. Now I want to get off here and I want to go hug my daughter. Like, um, but um, no. I, listen, guys. Um, I believe that um, every man is on a journey to authentic manhood, and it, it and being a man. Being a father, um, it takes work, to be honest. It takes work. And so I want to encourage every father, um, every man that's out there that's on his authentic journey to becoming the best version of himself. Hey, give yourself grace. Um, um, there's not a manual to become to fatherhood. There's there, there's probably one, but we're, we haven't read it yet because a lot of men don't read. Um, uh, a lot of men don't read. But listen, you you're going to make mistakes. Um, you're going to you're going to not make all the right decisions all the time. 
But listen, one thing that I'm big on, hey, get get around a mentor, get around somebody, a brother, somebody who can help you um, uh, become um, the best version of yourself. And if you're like me, who didn't have a father growing up um, and you're processing to how do I become what I've never seen? How do I uh, become what I've never experienced? Listen, there, there. Um, I want you to reach out to me. I want you to reach out to one of these brothers. They will be glad to talk with you, to, to help you, to coach. The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves.